Out of the bullpen and onto the mound, we make a pitching change. Matt Stevens joins us here on Sports Talk for hour number two. I am Scott Beatty, Evan Kahn off this week. He's back on Monday. Joey Wright, our producer and newsman as well this afternoon. And we're with you till 6 o'clock. Text line, Castle Heating and Cooling text line, a way to contribute if you are of the inclination at 217-351-5357. Glad you're with us. Matt Stevens, we've had you on for segments, of course, over the last year or so, but going to try and stretch you out. Are you on a have you maxed, uh, li- raised the limit of your pitch count? Is what yeah, I'm I don't think I'm on a limit. I don't okay. think I'm on a count. I think you can, you can, we can, we can go until I tell you when we're done. And hopefully, I, <laughs> I don't I, have I, to pull you. Is what you're saying? I will happily hand you the baseball when I'm done. But I think I can go a little bit longer than people think I can. Let's put it that way. And, and I'm just kind of curious as to what the great Evan Kahn does when he's on vacation. Like, do you have any idea? He stays out of communication with us. I can tell you that. <laughs> okay, good. He wants to be off the grid. That is good. That, yeah. Like, I would totally, I would totally suggest that he do that anytime he gets that, vacation. He did say no, he's with his up in Chicago. I know they're at least went to a Cubs game over the weekend. And, of course. I, and, there's no doubt. Uh, like Doing all the other fun stuff in, in Chicago. Uh, if you don't know Matt, uh, because he has been on the program, but maybe you're just uh, catching him for the first time, writes for IlliniGuys.com. You've had previous stops um, all over the country. Right. <laughs> but uh, you're a, a, a local product, Danville, right? Born and raised in Danville Hospital, yes. yes. Me along with Mike. <laughs> you, me. You're born and raised in Danville Hospital, yeah, so you just yeah. stayed there? Yeah, just stayed there. Born and raised in Danville. Uh, I did second grade in the uh, cardiology ward. And sure, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> at the time, Danville's kind of gotten bigger since I actually left, but uh, uh, at the time it wasn't that much. It, you could walk a couple of blocks and be at the end of the city town, town limit of Danville. But, yeah, it's me and Mike Small that, like, you know, Danville proud. Yeah, yeah. And we, Dick we, Van Dyke. We, we wave the flag for Danville. I think um, if there's a Mount Rushmore of Danville alums, I'm not on it. I promise you. Like Mike is on it. I am not. Dick Van Dyke is. There's no doubt. Like does Mike, Jerry get on it? Uh, possibly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I went to Eastern too, so Jerry got on that because um, I think it was my junior year. He was like the the homecoming parade, like the town town. <laughs> The marshal of the homecoming parade. You just Eastern. wear a sign that says, sorry, Dick couldn't make it. You know, or Pretty he... much, I think. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know if Dick went to Eastern. I know no, Jerry I don't think did. he did. But, I think you know. Jerry did, and that's why he was that. Was, he was that. Aren't so, you Dick Van Dyke's brother? Yes. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much, yes, that's the question you on he that gets show. At. If you walk him through an airport, that is the question he will get asked. Um, yes. No, uh, yeah, born and raised in, in the Danville area. Uh, Moved to Wisconsin um, right before I started high school, and then ended up at Eastern. And then I've I've covered a whole bunch of college programs throughout Mississippi, Alabama, and then have finally made my way back home um, to uh, to cover Illinois here for Illini guys. Um, and uh, have enjoyed the what was it? What is it now? Almost two and a half years covering uh, covering Illinois. So uh, appreciate the time, and yeah, I'm, I'm uh, happy to be. Uh, alongside my my uh, longtime idol Lauren Tate, who yes. I just took over for today, so I see Lauren in the press box all the time. And see, he's on a pitch it. count; he does an hour. Oh no, like he's not even on a pitch count. Like we we just we, like I, my theory is is that Lauren just tells you what he's going to do, and we all just nod and go, "Okay, yeah." That's sure. that's that's exactly what it is. it's not <laughs> yeah. a theory; it's an actual law. <laughs> okay, he just says this is when I'll be on, right? <laughs> and then and you go, and just and then I'm leaving. <laughs> nod your head and go, "Okay, cool, thank <laughs> <Yeah>. you." <laughs> I do. Uh, I I I told him this many times, but I 
accounted a privilege. Oh, I get I to do be too. on the radio with Lauren Tate. And I, he'll and he'll to this, you know, I think till his last day we'll say he's a writer, but we all know he also is a broadcaster. <laughs> yeah, he's not Tony Kornheiser in the sense that these these fingers don't type anymore. Like yeah. I, I I I can witness and verify that, but uh no, he has a lot more ways to uh to get his platform out there now than he had before, which is but I remember I remember growing up watching Stephen Lauren on you know, the Raycom, you know, or the uh, I'm sorry, the uh basketball and football pregame shows like yes. listening to those and growing up that way so that's that's where i tell lauren that all the time i used to listen to him before i would you know check into you know a lot of sports whether it was on the radio uh, um broadcast or whatever the raycom station was putting the Illini game on yeah uh and for those of you for the for you youngsters out there to quote steve stone if you're interested in getting into journalism Everybody now says you need to be a multimedia person. You need to be able to, to write. You need to be able to talk. You need to be able to do video. You need to do editing of whatever, photos, social media. Uh, Lauren Tate was the multimedia guy before there was multimedia journalists. You're saying that Lauren was a, it was a, you know ahead of his time before yes. anybody else? Ahead of that his would time. Be news, that would be news to me because <laughs> I always get told by Lauren Tate himself that he's about as old school as you can get. So, no, I, I agree. I think Lauren was ahead of his time. He was – He was. there's a reason why he is associated with Illinois sports as much as he is, and I, I, I didn't mean to bring this up, but, yeah, he was, he was somebody I love sharing a press box with. Bob is somebody I love sharing a press box with because – you know, I used to read his stuff and, mm-hmm. and then found it an honor when he would text me about other schools that he wanted to talk to that I was covering out over in the SEC. And then, um, you know, it's I just I got the itch to come back home and I had the opportunity to do it. And I, I love what I'm doing for for Illini guys. And, and we are a multimedia site, so there's no doubt about that. But I turn 38 next month and I I promise you, Scott Beatty, I was not told that when I was going to college. So that is still like a, a relatively newer phenomenon than people understand. Yeah, and if you don't know, Illini Guys Radio Sports Spectacular is on. Uh, at, we don't have a set time for you in exchange for being on the station that covers sure. the Illini. So we give you content. <laughs> you tell us when you want us to put us on, whether it's it, Friday or Saturday it, morning. It, it floats around. I believe this week you'll be on a Sunday night due to the White Sox heavy schedule over the weekend. But um, you also read them, and they're, uh, you, you guys are regular guests with us. We really do appreciate it. And so you can check out Matt and Kedrick Prince and Brad Sturdy and Mike Cagley and uh, Larry Smith and the whole crew at IlliniGuys.com. A couple of headlines, Matt, that we touched on in our number one, such as we get in this week in particular of the year. We already knew Illinois was in the uh, Roman main event in sure. Vegas. We already knew that they were going to play either UCLA, Baylor, or Virginia. But we now know, courtesy of John Rothstein at CBS, that they will play UCLA in the first game and therefore will play either Baylor or Virginia in the second game. So get ready for some hair between uh, Tiger Campbell and oh, yeah. Sky Clark and whoever else there with UCLA. By the way, this matchup is also known as a Big Ten West Conference game. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a conference <laughs> game in a few years, isn't it? Like, Who knows? Virginia and Baylor may also be in the conference yeah, in a we, few years. we don't know. But, yeah, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's good. I think UCLA and, and Illinois have a lot of history together. They, uh, um, there's a lot of, I mean, in a sense, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, you know Mick Cronin has built that program up since taking the job at UCLA in the similar way that Brad Underwood has wanted to build up the UC, the Illinois brand back to where it was. Um, you know, the whole idea at UCLA is you, you you never want to take it away from what it was during the Wooden Era and at the end of the Wooden Era, and you're always kind of coaching against that ghost. 
and in a sense, Brad Underwood is trying to revive the Illinois program to what you know UCLA to what they used to be in the in the '80s and um, and in the and the '90s. So I think there's a lot of history there. I think both teams, if they're not going to be ranked, they will be considered NCAA tournament caliber teams. And I think it's a four team. Yeah, obviously it's a four team field that I think teams are going to feel good about being in you know come february and, and early march when we start looking at resumes yeah I, it's it's really a great measuring stick event mm-hmm. and i'll just say this now if illinois loses both games you wouldn't want to see them as a fan get blown out but i don't think it's actually going to matter in the long run if um they get just they get better it, it really obviously doesn't have any bearing on the conference record and I don't know that it hurts you that much, assuming all three of those teams turn out to be as good as they project to be. I think you just echo like the attitude that Brad Underwood's always had about non-conference play, which is, you know, I want to play good teams. I want to see how good we are right now. And the whole idea is if I, if I don't know, if I don't get a gauge of how good we are right now, I won't know how to get us there by, you know, late January, early February, when we're starting to try to play for a Big Ten title. That's the way he's always approached pre-conference schedule. I think that's always the way he will approach it. Which is why I don't understand why there's not more home-and-homes. As Duke and Arizona were just announced sure. for a home-and-home home series, it's, I don't remember when it starts, in a couple of years or whatever, but that's making some headlines. Why isn't there more of that? Because... What do you? What will Duke and Arizona, assuming they continue to stay significant, really good basketball teams, what do they have to lose by losing that game? They want to win it, and, and it really helps them, but it really probably doesn't hurt them to lose that game, especially early. Yeah, I think it's just easier for let's just say the, you know, the third player involved here, which is always the companies that put together those, you know. Um, what is it, MTE, MTEs? Yeah, the, multi-team events. Yeah, I think it's easier for that company to just go ahead and start trying to market the idea of four teams like that, four NCAA tournament teams coming to Vegas or you know, four teams coming to Charleston, South Carolina for, or, or Myrtle Beach for that tournament or wherever it is. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's also, I think that it's, college basketball is in a weird spot also because I know that they a lot of these MTEs are during the holiday. Mm-hmm. You know, and so... I think a lot of schools, especially that aren't true and true basketball schools, Illinois obviously wouldn't be in this category, would go, oh, are we going to have a sold-out arena like during this holiday week or during this holiday weekend or, you know, no matter who we put it, put in. I just think it's easier for them to just go, okay, let's let's go out and make sure that, you know, your, your basketball-hungry people that want to find your tournaments are going to go find your tournaments. I don't know. Um, I would love to see it as a fan, and I would. I think a lot of fans would love to see these home and homes. Um, it's the argument I always used in college football about, well, why doesn't Alabama schedule more home and homes? Well, it's because that they know that they can get a major network to put them in Atlanta or put them in New Orleans or put them in a you know a, a NFL stadium during that first week, and they don't have to go play yeah. on the road somewhere. So if you don't have to. My, my, my attitude has always been, with co- especially with college administrators, when they get involved in this process, if they don't have to do something, 100% of the time they're probably not going to do it. Well, And look at Illinois, we, and we talked about it last week. There's been uh, at least one report of the rest of the, the, the non-conference schedule for Illinois, which is Allegedly soft. they're going to open up with my, my alma mater, yeah, in I, Illinois. I, I, Marty November, Simmons is coming to State Farm Center. November, this one counts. Right. That's the, that's the little, this one counts. Right. Uh, <laughs> but – from Brad's point of view, I, I get it in a sense. You got twenty league games. Sure. 
you you have uh, this Roman May event, two heavy hitters. You've got the Big Ten ACC Challenge, depending on your draw, but that's still a major. You always are going to have uh, Mizzou. Yep, you're always going to play in St. Louis against Missouri. Uh, yep, you may have a Gavit game. Maybe. Uh, but, you know, that gets you to five. So tw- that's 25. If you 25. don't have the Gavit game, you're going to do what Brad – Brad and, and uh, Chris Baird did this year and just say, hey, let's go play a game in Madison Square Garden, yep. like, which is Illinois and Texas is going to do. So that's 25 to 26 power major games. So I understand why, yeah, the other five or six games I'm going to make a little bit easier on my guys and use it to work in people and – Call my friends who are yeah. at lower And, of course, schools those schools need – Money. Yeah. But if one more of those games was – Arizona again or whomever, you know, as a home and You're home. making the argument for how cool the environment was last year, Scott, when Arizona came right. to State Farm Center. And yep. you're and I'm sure two years ago when Illinois came to the McHale Center in in Tucson and played. And that was a great that was a great atmosphere for both of those schools. And I was there for the game last year against Arizona and I just thought it was an unbelievable environment. Oh, especially for an also, early season college basketball. And game. it was a fantastic game. No doubt about it. If you removed your fandom for a moment, you should have just gone, This is a really cool game and look at all the NBA players that are on the floor. It's why I love the most of them in the wild. It's why actually I love the ACC Big Ten Challenge because it forces coaches to do something that I don't know if they would normally do, which is go play on the road against a major conference opponent mm-hmm. in in you know December or early November when I don't know if they would short of you know I know Tom Izzo feels strongly about doing this and maybe like going on the road and playing somebody that they wouldn't normally play or on a boat right yeah like they're doing this year um which I I like the aircraft carrier game, no, I, but do I just too. think I'm I'm a big just like hope it's calm waters I'm a picture guy and so there's a photo that can be taken of that game that I'm sure will look really really cool um so no, but Just don't uh, die for loose balls. Yeah, well, you can't do that at Minnesota either. Otherwise, you'll get hurt. <laughs> you know, um, so like don't. Uh, but my my theory is is that I, it's why I love those types of events, like the SEC Big Twelve Challenge, and even that's even even later in the year. That they're in the middle of conference play and they do that, and it's always the excuse to get con- Kansas and Kentucky together to play a game for for ESPN purposes, but. Those other schools have to play a game that I don't think they would normally schedule at that point during the year, and um, I, just, I think that that's I think it's great. I, I first Syracuse has always had a policy that they're never leaving upstate New York until like Christmas, so the fact that they have to come to Champaign this year and play in State Farm Center is not something I don't think Jim Beheim would sign up to do if he wasn't forced to do it. And so I think it, I think it forces again administrators and coaches to do something that normally ninety percent of them wouldn't want to do. When we come back, we've got some other items to get to. Illini in the draft in in baseball. Uh, It's talking season as media days uh, going on for the SEC right now. Uh, Got some recruiting stuff to kick around a little bit as it comes to football, which I know you dive into uh, quite a bit. So a lot of items we want to touch on. Visiting with Matt Stevens for the hour from IlliniGuys.com. Now at NewsGazette.com, Inside Illini Basketball, a weekly podcast with beat writer Scott Ritchie, who focuses in on a freshman who made the biggest gains this summer. It's This is Sports Talk. I am Scott Beatty, and Matt Stevens is kind enough to fill in here for our number two in place of Evan Kahn. On vacation, Major League Baseball draft has concluded. 
two Illini get their names called. I thought we might get a third. Uh, Colt Kershipper, though, was probably the most certain with the lefty going to the Miami Marlins. By the way, if you're Cole Kershipper and the Marlins draft you, do you immediately say, I've got some inflammation in my elbow. <laughs> you guys better trade me. That, I'm that, not. I'm a bad clubhouse guy. Is that like getting in basketball, getting drafted by the Kings? Yeah, is or in like football, the Jets. Like the, the Jaden Ivey thing of what he pulled where he's like, I'm not going to Sacramento. Like, you're not <laughs> drafting me, like kind of thing. <laughs> I don't want to play for the Jets. I think if you're – well, first of all, I think if you're Cole, you're not going to you're not gonna immediately go to Miami. So there's, there's a farm league team somewhere out there that you're going to have to figure out how to deal with. And according to, you know – the commissioner Rob Manford, you're 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 not poor, but I, I contest that he's wrong. <laughs> I, by by personal I've experience seen it of myself how, too. Yes, yeah, and I have it all with friends that got drafted and were living. What in are you poverty. talking about? I gave you a post game spread of hot dogs left exactly. over from the concession stand, and you get twenty percent off at the uh, team stores. So what are you complaining about? But I also think that if you're cold, like, and you end up getting to Miami, like, there's not a bad market. That's not a bad market to be starting no. your pro career in. You could be. You could be starting your pro career in, you know, you know, Milwaukee. Not to, I mean, I used to live in Milwaukee, but like it sometimes gets cold there, and I don't think that yeah, that's necessarily where where you want to be living in your off season as well. So. There's worse places. And look, as a baseball play by play guy, people say Scott, because I'm a Cubs fan, grew up right. Cubs fan. Would you ever do play by play then for the Sox? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and, and, and any of the other major league teams, I would what, also be happy to. With do, all yeah. due respect, that that question was posed to one Lynn Casper, and he said, "Yes, I will do that." <laughs> like immediately. So and he's on our airwaves now as a, as we carry White Sox games. Exactly. And he does a nice job. So, so there's no doubt. And and the, I, I I don't know how that I don't remember how that broke up, but the other guy in that booth is Steve Stone, and he was pred, He was he was given that question, and he went, "Yes, I will do that." <laughs> in fact, so, he's. Crisscross town a couple of times. Exactly. So uh, no, I, I I I'm happy for Cole. Um, I I I've, I got to see him pitch a couple of times this year. Um, obviously Scott, you got to see him pitch a heck of a lot more times than I did. But I was always impressed as in terms of a Friday night guy, um, especially in in a, in a league like the Big Ten. You don't know what you're going to see on a Friday night, and sometimes these these head coaches don't do it like a lot of SEC schools that I used to cover, which is, you know, your, you, their, their headlining guy was on Friday night. Some guys tried to, tried to manipulate it a little bit, but Cole was a Friday night guy for Illinois, and I got to see him a couple of times, and I was very, very impressed with somebody that had the velo to definitely be drafted but also had the ability to understand how to pitch more than just how to throw, and I yeah. thought that that's got, that got him drafted today. Yeah, he thinks. Uh, I, I, I'm – I'm hoping for his sake that he is he was a little underdrafted. I think maybe he could have gone higher, especially as a left-hander, but I hope he um proves some whoever had doubts about him wrong. Uh he he also has that trait that I so admire. Maybe it's cuz I don't have it. He, he, the short memory, sure. the kind of in the momentness that good athletes all have and the ability to forget about past mistakes, almost sometimes to a fault where Hey, remember, <laughs> don't do that again, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, but he, he could just – he he knew how to get out of a problem that he created. Yeah, and I, I will say this, too, is that when I was trying to do a story this year on Cole, knowing that he was going to be a draft guy and he was probably going to be his last year at Illinois and the Friday night guy for a team that was currently leading the Big Ten at the time, uh, you know, Dan Hartlib, the head coach, basically said, hey, Matt, you need to go talk to Mark Allen because if it wasn't for him and what he did early on in Cole's career when he got here to Champaign, he wouldn't be where he was today. And there was 
there, there's a lot of work that Mark did in terms of not only mechanics, but just from the mental side of getting you how to figure out how to pitch and how to, how to get through a ball game and how to be able to maneuver the strike zone up, down, up, you know, left, right, and be able to throw and keep hitters off balance that way and not just always do it with velo. And I think that Mark does a really, really good job with pitchers that can – that can identify how to do that very early on, and Cole was one of those guys. Yeah, Mark will tell you, too, one of the reasons he wanted to get out of the big league organizations was how he felt like they weren't coaching anymore, and he wanted to go back to hands-on coaching, working with pitchers. And as we all know now, and as you know especially well, the SEC, having worked in the SEC, Mm -hmm. but college is a very legit route to the pros. There are still... Guys who get drafted out of high school, especially pitchers, but I could actually be a little bit of a gamble, and I think more and more pro teams are looking at it. I actually like the guy who's had two, three years of development and whose body is maybe more what it's going to be in terms of tendon growth and all that stuff after two, three years in school, and now I'll take them and see what we get. I don't know if you feel this way, Scott, but I thought a lot of guys, because I watched the first round of the draft on MLB Network, and the the – The headline summary for me was I thought COVID did more damage to arms than it did bats, and that's why I think you saw a really weak pitching class this year in 2023 – or, sorry, 2022 with the MLB draft because those guys that weren't throwing during the COVID pause but guys that were still maybe getting – you know, in a cage or something and keeping a rhythm that way. That's why you're just seeing more college hitters this year and more high school position players this year than you saw with high school arms and college arms. I think you're going to see that swing in 2023 and 2024 back to 50-50. I hope so. But I, but I, I, I think you saw it throughout your, your time this year with college baseball, and I think I saw it in the periphery that I was watching college baseball, especially in Omaha, that's like we, we, you would watch, you know, the road to Omaha – there were a lot of arms that just weren't at a level that you thought they would be at that point. And I think it did. I think COVID and the COVID pause through no fault of anybody just did more damage to keeping pitchers ready and keeping pitchers throwing and keeping pitchers, you know, on their P's and Q's where they would normally have gone maybe to the Cape or some other league out in the summer and didn't do that. I don't think you saw as many developed arms going into this draft class. That's why you kind of saw a weaker yeah. pitching class than you saw. ERA isn't everything, but ERAs are way up. Yeah, and it's it, it may, you know I don't know if there's con- college baseball actual physical baseball conspiracies about the actual ball, but uh, oh, there's a there's there's a yeah I'm a big believer in that too. There's there's something that with the baseball that leads to regional games being football scores. There's no doubt in my mind. Yeah, but yeah, I like. I have come to really appreciate the college game in a way I didn't before. Um, and you start to understand that, you know, f- four or five runs isn't usually enough right. in a college game. But we don't need to see 11 and 12 and 13 and beyond every night. It's just not stylistically the best pretty game. I, you like to see good pitching and good hitting and some back and forth. It bothers me when I like, – like this year, again, the road to Omaha, I saw regional scores that could have been football scores. That mm-hmm. bothers me. Yeah. Um, but, but but back to Cole quickly, I just thought I thought Cole did a really, really good job of developing his – from freshman to sophomore – first year, second year, and third year, I thought he did a really, really good job of developing. And I think he could end up being somebody that continues to get better with more instruction because I think you put him in a weight room situation and maybe his velo isn't exactly at a peak of what it could be yet. And I think 
if he can get his velo even up a little bit more, he already understands again up, down, left, right how to pitch. So that he could be he could be somebody that Miami could be really happy with. Talking with Matt Stevens here for the hour. It's media days season, our favorite time of year. Um, there's always a guy. There's always a guy at every media days that does just. You just I want I want to hear from this guy. Mm-hmm. And you were down there. It was before his time, right? But Mike Leach has. Oh, uh, it was definitely before his time. Yeah, yes. but but uh, Mike Leach or Mississippi State is providing some of the fun quotes today. No doubt, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't. I'm not surprised by this. Uh, from Brett McMurphy and and others. True. Mike Leach on whether he's optimistic that he may get his 64 team playoff in college football. Quote. That may be a conference championship you're referring to. <laughs> That's not what I think people thought they were going to get when they got to Mike Leach. What you got to do when, if you have Mike Leach in a media day is ask him something that has absolutely nothing to do with football. Ask him about like what the protocol should be like for like the the DJ playlist of a wedding, and then he'll give you he'll give you twenty minutes. You mm-hmm. know, he'll fill up your tape recorder, but. Um, if you want nuts and bolts football, Mike Leach is not the guy to go to because he's usually unless unless you want to under, like back in the day when you wanted to understand his offense because um, there's a lot of guys off the Mike Leach tree at this point. But um, if you want, but it, Mike Mike's always been a lot more in my view from again from the outside being more interested in talking about something that has nothing to do with football than exactly what his job actually entails. There's too many coaches that don't do that. Yes, correct. Um, and and if nothing else, I think that humanizes you as a coach and it helps endear you too when mm-hmm. um, when you maybe aren't getting enough W's. Uh, of course, if you lose enough, anybody will say, well, that's all cute, but you need to win. And uh, To a point. Yeah. And I, I've said it before, you don't want to get to the carnival barker point you don't want to cross over that carnival barker line where let's just say a certain coach who was in this town started to do the oski thing in chicago during big 10 media day that but goes off like weird. a fart in church it was weird yes it was yes. just and and, and it and, was on it, brand for that gentleman let's it put worked, it that way it worked and he was cautioned not to do it by i don't doubt it <laughs> but like i don't i, I I would have been. Nobody's going to get it. Don't do it. And it, uh, you know. oh, sure, of course. <laughs> but if, like, who was going to tell Tim Beckman what to do at that moment? Like, so no. But I, I, I but no, I, I think you're right. I think I've been at SEC Media Day when it was back at the Winfrey Hotel in Hoover, Alabama, where uh, Robbie Caldwell, who was the head coach at, at Vanderbilt at the time, talked about his early job as a teenager in turkey insemination, like. <laughs> From the podium in front of hundreds of people. And I... Phrases I, didn't think I'd hear today. Yeah. <laughs> Neither did I on that day either. I didn't think I, I'd be well, I, Go back to uh, basketball media days and Tim Miles. I mean, sure. he was a hoot. All I'm saying is Tim Miles, very likable guy, funny, and at some point wins and losses matter, but it maybe helps your whole uh, uh, endearing to your community and to your administration if you're really likable as you lose. But at some point, if you lose too much, you're out anyway. And if you're really mean, usually people look the other way if you get a lot of wins. But if you're really too mean, then you might be gone, unless you still win everything. (laughs) I remember my favorite thing. I was one of those weird people that my favorite things covering the SEC were SEC basketball media day. And I think it was at that time it was in Nashville. Um, because you could, there was nobody that was going over to Andy Kennedy's table 
but I got something entertaining out of it. I would, I, you know, and, and I started to learn that AK was going to be perfect for television at that moment. Um, I, and then my other thing is I got more out of the spring meetings in Destin than I ever got out of Media Day in Hoover. Media Day in Hoover was this Carnival Barker thing, of, especially when they started putting it on television, where it was just it was just the thing that Paul Feinbaum essentially was set up at every year. And you never really got any news out of it. Um, I mean, the only newsy thing that came out of it was, for, uh, if I remember, uh, the the we we started to hear stories about Hugh Freeze's phone and <laughs> what what was going on there. And a couple of days later, we were like, uh oh, like I don't think Ole Miss is gonna. I think Ole Miss is gonna need a football coach before they kick it off here. Um, that's the most newsy thing that had happened. I, I, if I remember correctly, and I was out of the league by then, I was actually here. Um, you know, the the Oklahoma Texas thing got announced. You know, ironically enough, like I think the day before SEC Media Days opened up. So you never really get any big news out of this stuff that you're talking to coaches with. But um, it's always funny to me how they 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 try to filibuster to the point where it's just you're just kind of there and you're transcribing stuff that you normally would have probably gotten if you go to the local guy anyway. Different coaches have different uh, philosophies about it. They all have a uniform philosophy of don't give anybody information that can be used against us or help our opponents. Right. Uh, but different coaches have more of a – I do think Brett Bielma understands the opportunity that's before him when he comes to a media day or any media ava- availability for that matter mm-hmm. and uh, knows how he wants to present the program and what he want pe- wants people to pick up on. Um, and I think usually he's smart about it. So – uh, to that end, I, he's he's personable, he can be funny, and he's quotable, even if at the end of the day, no, you're not going to find out anything about scheme or depth chart at media days from Brett Bielma, nor really will you from any other coach for that matter. Putting a button on Mike Leach sure. didn't give an opening statement. They did their usual, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. our next coach is Mike Leach, last uh-huh. year in Mississippi, so blah, blah, blah. he goes, thank you, I'll take questions. Yeah. One of the questions was, why didn't you give an opening statement? Quote, I hate opening statements and I don't see the point of it. Instead of thinking of some flowery opening statement and then a number of people ask questions that are in my opening statement, we'll cut out the middleman. <laughs> the people in Mississippi right now need to understand how good they have it with their two football coaches because on once on the south part of the state you have Mike Leach and on the north side of the state you have Lane Kiffin. And I saw something today from Brett McMurphy that said Clark Lee at Vanderbilt's opening statement was 2,632 words long. Lane Kiffin's was 215. Like, and he, he couldn't possibly want to get out there quicker. Um, Lane does not like this stuff, believe it or not. He's seen as his media guy. He does not like doing that. And so um, – and Mike Leach does not like doing this. Like, it's, it's – he's just being him. So you you have a chance to get in and get out and get dinner at a lo- at a decent time when <laughs> when when you cover those two gentlemen. All right, I promise we'll we'll touch a little bit on recruiting and speaking of football coaches, I've got an item here that is coming from a particular football coach, but it could be any football coach. Cool. It's just it's very on brand. Uh, we will address that when we come back.
Sports Talk, we are making our way to the top of the hour. Tomorrow, Lauren Tate and I in the first hour will visit with Joe Pott from Cardinals Radio and get an assessment on the Redbirds at the All-Star break. Second hour, Brian Barnhart will be in, kind of doing a rotation of uh, co-host by committee kind of thing this week. That's what we do. Right now, we've got Matt Stevens here with us from Illini Guys. Dot com. Wanted to touch on football recruiting with you, Matt. Uh, but just for clarification, got this on the text line. I think I know the answer, but I know you would know the answer. Okay. In sum, the roster is set. Is the roster set? Can there be any more additions to Illinois football's roster? For the 2022 season? Yeah. The upcoming 2022 season? Uh, no, I think they're at – I've got them at the limit. Now, Brett Moore at Illinois, God bless his heart, and Brett Bielema at Illinois will tell me that – they're the only people that know the actual number, and quite honestly, they're right about that. But I think that Illinois is either at the at right, at the limit, at the eighty-five limit, or they're right next to up up right up next to it. My other question for you is because uh, uh, the the texture was asking, you know, is somebody coming through the portal yet, or or anything like that? I think the answer is no. Generally. No, but I would. But the interesting thing about the portal, though, you got to remember is that you got to. The next, I think the next thing you got to look at is fall camp because there are going to be guys that leave fall camp like Alec Bryant did last year and then latch on to another program. Now, that's after the limit, after the date to which you can probably be eligible for the upcoming season. So you'd be a sit-out transfer, but you're going to see some of those too. So I, I think that the roster is set for guys that are going to be eligible for the 2022 season. But you could see an Alec Bryant or two added to this roster going forward because you know they 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 know they're not going to play a couple weeks into training camp and they want to go somewhere else okay um my other question on the roster sure brett bielma gave a number out i think he said 14 or 15 players will exhaust their eligibility this year of college football Mm -hmm. save for some wacky or out there edge case of a of a waiver like an Alex Palcheski. Yeah, like Palcho. Uh, is it right? I, I mean, it, it basically, I have it is if you're a senior, if you're listed as a senior now on the roster, you're, this is your last year. We're starting to get your question is, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, Scott, you're starting to see we're not doing the COVID thing anymore of you're a senior, but yet because of that COVID, now you're a junior. We're not, we're, we're, we're getting through that kind of element of it. I, I is what I think I answered it. Yes, I do think. I think you could come back as a senior. I think there's still that possibility, but I do. But I think we're at that point now where I think more kids are going to be listed by what they are, um, I'm, and not I'm only academically the, but also athletically in I'm terms trying, of their eligibility. I'm trying to find the most notable cases. Um, Luke Ford. Just for an example, right. this is his fourth year in the program. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, uh, uh, at Illinois, mm-hmm. I mean, he had that sit-out year, and he also had a year at Georgia. He can't play anymore, right? I would agree with that. Yes. Okay, and he's listed as a senior. Uh, obviously, Alex Palcheski is in his sixth season. Michael Marques is in his sixth year. Uh, Calvin Avery, I have him. This is his fourth year at Illinois. He is a senior. Is he exhausting his eligibility? Now I'm not trying to put you on the spot here. No, I understand, maybe- and I've got to. I've got to. Th- think about this i'd have to know if al if calvin played less than three games or i'm sorry less than four games in one of those early seasons because if he did there's a potential for a red shirt year and what people need to understand scott and i'm glad you're asking me this question is 
by letter of the law, it was pointed out to me a few years ago, you don't really apply for your red shirt year or your 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 fifth year until your eligibility is over. You know, essentially, and you want to get that fifth year. So you are listed as a red shirt freshman because you apply for it. But if you want that medical red shirt or essentially you never really get to a point where you fill out the paperwork fully for it until your eligibility, until your senior year and it's considered your eligibility is done, then you fill out the paperwork and it's almost a rubber stamp. You get that fifth year because you apply, you, you held, every box was checked. So from that standpoint, but um, yes, I, I, I would have to see if Calvin played less than four games in any of those seasons, because if he did, um, he qualifies for, for a, a, a red shirt in any of those years. Now, as it go as it comes to the future after this year, the sure. 2023 recruiting class, you're doing something at your site, IlliniDice.com, where you're offering your take on uh, the recruiting picture, and Kedrick Prince is offering his as it comes to 2023. So I don't want you to have to give away anything, but can you give me that 30-second uh, synopsis of where, where you see things as they stand? I absolutely can, because while, Scott, you were on vacation and Evan was hosting this show with Mike myself and and ked we had a some we had basically did a similar thing which is i have concerns about some of the early summer takes that illinois has taken in this 2023 class meaning kids that have they've taken the commitment from before july 1st that i think would still have been available right before the early period in november still um and so i have a little bit of concern about some of these takes that they're taking i won't name any kids just to not smear them or anything Uh, like that but if you want to go look there are there are of the 15 commits they have right now, eight of them only have one power five offer, that being Illinois. And so you're winning recruiting battles against Mac schools and Sunbelt schools, which I think Illinois should already be doing. Um, mm-hmm. And so um, Ked feels like this is another step that Brett Bielema is taking beyond what Lovey Smith did not do in recruiting that Brett Bielema is having to basically overcome. I don't necessarily disagree with that, but if Illinois is going to – my position quickly is that if Illinois is going to get to a position in which they feel solidly entrenched in a Big Ten conference that just got a lot better with the addition of USC and UCLA, they are going to have to recruit at another higher level that I don't know if they're doing right now short of some kids that I think are highlighted portions of this 2023 class like Caden Feagan and, and Jamarius Harkless on the offensive and defensive side. We are very good gets. Yep. That's for sure. All right. We will uh, break in our final thought. I want to bring you this on football coaches being football coaches right after this. All right. Quickly, Matt Stevens, I appreciate you being with us over in Iowa. I assume they're having some sort of amateur baseball tournament at the university of Iowa's baseball field. Okay. During this event, Fans were asked over public address. This is according to Jeff Johnson, who uh, covers, uh, who's a sports writer in Cedar Rapids. Okay. Fans were asked not to look over at the Iowa Hawkeye football workouts going on adjacent to Banks Field. Okay. They actually got on the public address and said, now, maybe I shouldn't attribute this to Kirk Ferentz, uh, bless his heart. Maybe it was just a paranoid staffer, but guess what everybody started doing? (laughs) Well, and my question would be, like, when you make that public address, doesn't it kind of allow for the possibility that you're doing... When you don't want somebody to look at something, doesn't it mean you're doing something wrong? (laughs) 
Like you know, no, if, I assume it's like they're not. You don't want to give away. If you're away going secrets. by 100% the letter of the law, I don't care if you're watching us over here. Oh, like, I something like they don't want to. Oh, they're running a three-four. My favorite comment to somebody I used to work with at Auburn was, uh, no, it was made to me. Was a longtime staffer who had covered Auburn for so many years. Charles Goldberg was his name. God bless his heart. He's in the Alabama Sports Writers Hall of Fame. He walked up to everybody at Auburn and once said, I told Tommy Tupperville, or I, I told Gus Malzahn once that Tommy Tupperville let, let me watch every practice, every workout, everything in the summer, everything in the spring, everything in the fall, and they went 13-0, and 0, and it didn't affect him one single bit. So you cannot do any better than that. So your mystery stuff doesn't allow you to do anything better than that. So it, and it's, and I've never had it. I've never had a counter to that. And I don't think Gus did either other than I just, I don't have to do it. So I'm not gonna. It's been a fun hour. Thanks for joining us. Not a problem. Here comes sound on. Talk to you tomorrow at four.